Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast, pottering around the clumsy interrogator of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who would like a pre-order form for Weasley's Wildfire Whizbangs. My name is Sarah. I am joined, as always, by my co-host BJ and Spencer. How are you all doing? Uh, in full agreement with your, both your statements right there. I don't even particularly like fireworks <laughs> that much, but even I'm like, well, I gotta have these. It's like, you know, if you've found the top of the field, even if you're not necessarily that into it, you gotta own it. My, I mean, the the... One major problem is, since magic isn't real, you couldn't get the secondary effects that seem like the reason to have the, the integral fireworks. part. Yes, yes. yes. Um, my one of my favorite moments in this chapter is just the the sort of throwaway moment between I think Dean and Seamus later that night when like there are still fireworks roaming around the grounds and two of them mate and they've got to figure out what's yeah. going on. <laughs> They're coupling. Come watch. Cool. Um. So we are on chapter 28 of the fifth book of Harry Potter, Snape's Worst Memory. And um, we have some segments that we do here. We have a rapid fire recap, uh, BJ's Wizard Wheezes. We are almost to the name. We are like morphing into the namesake of the segment with the Weasley's Wildfire <laughs> Whizbangs. Uh, we have newbies <laughs> notes with Spencer. We award house points. And then there are questions and queries and qualms and and, and quibbles. Um, we'll see what that looks like this chapter. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, listeners can't see, but BJ is has in fact donned his Slytherin t-shirt in honor of <laughs> the many things he has to say this chapter. <laughs> so somebody's ready. I have um, a coffee mug that is technically from the St. Louis Aquarium, but that looks like it might have the uh, lake squid. Giant squid. <laughs> yep. Yeah. On it, and uh, Spencer has shown up. Do you that think? That's all I can offer. Do you think uh, that that the uh, reference there was was a little bit of uh, Japanese influence? Which reference? In the book. Never mind. Okay. Spencer uh, might have an aha moment shortly, but we'll see. We'll, we'll find out. Highlight it for see me. See if we get there. All right, uh, Sarah. In terms of recapping this chapter. This one's about as long as the other ones, but it felt like a bit of an odd beast of where it does one hell of a pivot midway through to something completely different. So I guess it's kind of similar to last chapter of where happening, happening, happening. Oh, let's go to what we really want to talk about this chapter. Yes. So I'm really interested, um, and I, like, I don't know where to put this, uh, not really question, but sort of comment, like... This chapter doesn't feel like it should have been together, and I'm sort of wondering, mm. like, who's yeah. like... No, no, no. I, I feel like there was an editor that was just like, no, these should be two separate chapters. There's absolutely no reason for this. And somebody was insistent. Yeah, I don't. It It is weird. I don't know. The chapters are weird because it kind of feels like we have gotten a big string of like 25 to 28 page chapters mm -hmm. that have these pivot mm -hmm. points in them. And I, I am with you, BJ. I'm legitimately confused about why we can't just have like eight shorter yeah. chapters that make sense as opposed to four <laughs> yeah, this, beastly this very chapters. Much feels like the conversation that I had with my boss at some point, which was about sentence length, you know, mm -hmm. how many clauses should be in a sentence. And mm -hmm. that three separate thoughts as clauses was a stylistic choice that he 
intended on <laughs> and i said that was wrong and it got published so <laughs> yeah i it, you are actually allowed to put a period at the end of a thought and then mm. start a new thought As you i'm sort of the... what sort of grammatical aggressions uh, do you think we're going to get as the series progresses? Because I sort of feel like the, the first book had some things that were interesting, and then there was some some uh, punctuation mm-hmm. warfare, um, and then we moved into uh, you know, the, the aggressiveness of paragraphs and sentences therein. Um, and I feel like now we've moved into uh, like a broader theme of okay, we're just going to do uh, completely different scenes in the chapters. And then, you know, maybe the, the next book, it's going to be, okay, not just chapters, but like halfway through the book, <laughs> we're going to mm-hmm. go, we're, we're going to follow the, the three major characters. And then we're going to see what Voldemort's doing at Gringotts. For like <laughs> six chapters. John. Perfect. And, it, and, and every single chapter name is going to be Harry Potter and, <laughs> and not have him. And at not all. have him there at all. I don't know. TBD, but I am during this podcast going to be changing my Twitter bio to Queen of Grammatical Aggressions. So thank you for that, BJ. Yeah, yeah B- BJ, have that preserved in the history. Your the phrase grammatical aggressions may be one of my favorite expressions of yours mm-hmm. ever. I'm just that one's gonna that one's gonna stick. It's great. Yeah, I'm I'm stealing it whole hog. Uh, Back to the question, the original how question. Long do you think you need for the recap. <laughs> what we originally were setting. So I think I've got it. If I if I can barrel through without tripping up over myself. I'm pretty sure I can get it under two minutes. So I'm going to do, I haven't done a bet in a while um, because I've been, mm-hmm. I've been running, running a little scared and that's not mm-hmm. who I want to be in this world. So I'm going to make a uh, one minute, 54 second bet. I'm going to be silently chanting locomotive mortis <laughs> under my breath <laughs> as you try and run, race through this and we'll see what happens. Okay. Uh, well, sir, I found two stopwatches, so whenever you're Are you going to do them both at once and compare notes on? I'm going to see which one's kinder. I'm going to see which one gets, gets a different <laughs> result. Umbridge is declared headmistress, and she's appointed Malfoy and crew inquisitorial squad with point docking privileges, which they make use of immediately. Fred and George decide they don't care about getting into trouble and are planning real mayhem. Umbridge wants to see Harry, and Filch delivers him to her, waxing poetic about all the changes coming. She offers him several drinks, is in fact insistent on him having one. Harry remembers Mad-Eye's paranoia and pretends to drink. Umbridge launches into an interrogation. Where is Dumbledore? Where is Sirius Black? Harry resolutely says he doesn't know and pretends to drink his tea. Umbridge warns that the Ministry and her cronies are watching all fireplaces and mail. Then there's a gigantic boom. Umbridge dashes out. Harry follows her. There's pandemonium in the corridors, giant fireworks pinwheeling through the halls that only multiply when you try to stop them. Fred and George have outdone themselves, and the other professors are more than willing to let the disruption continue all afternoon as Umbridge struggles to figure out what to do about it. Harry dreams of the corridor again. He spends the next day worrying that Snape will be able to see the new dream in his occlumency lesson. Cho catches him on the way to this lesson to explain Marietta's betrayal and shit on Hermione. Harry's having none of it. Snape is just about to try to get into Harry's mind when Malfoy appears to summon Snape. He's about to leave when he sees the pensieve, and of course he looks into it. Exams are happening in the Great Hall, and he sees his father, Sirius, Remus, and Lupin. He's mesmerized by his father, and as the exam ends, he follows them, listening to their banter. Then they notice Snape, Snivellus, 
Sirius coming. James and Sirius start in on him, disarming and hexing him as other students come to watch. After a round of insults and more magical bullying, Harry's mom, Lily, shows up defending Snape, or more specifically sniping at James, who takes the opportunity to ask her out. Lily wants nothing to do with this idea. Snape shoots a curse. James flips him upside down. Lily defends him. Snape says he doesn't need help from mudbloods. James is furious. Lily thinks he's a twat. And then Snape pulls Harry from the pensieves, yelling that he won't speak of the memories to anyone before banishing him from his office and from occlumency lessons. Harry heads back to Gryffindor Tower, horrified that Snape was right about his father all along. Well, dead on, Sarah. Dead on. One fifty-four ten. Yes. Fist pumping well in done. the background, taking a victory lap. Very nice. Very nice. Kudos. <laughs> Gasping for breath. BJ, what what are you wheezing about? Uh, I've got a number of things to talk about this chapter. Uh, I am wearing a t-shirt for a reason. Um, I think my favorite part about this whole thing is the designation of the houses is fascinating to me. And James Potter is a Slytherin. Uh, (laughs) By everybody Mm. else's definition Mm. of what Slytherins are, and that he's not a Slytherin, I think, goes to the point that, that people just wanted a house to hate. And James Potter is the symbol of... Uh, James Potter and Malfoy are... are, are uh, Draco, not Lucius. Are so close together in who they are and how they are. It's fascinating. Um, and there are a whole lot of things to unpack in that later part of the chapter. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, we have a bunch of things to, to get through before that second chapter that that is apparently within this chapter. Um Spencer, do you think that it was a Tolkien reference to Little uh, Little Hobbitses uh, when Filch is saying "you filthy little beasts"? Uh, it, it, it just it just felt so filthy little hobbitses uh, when he was doing that. I I don't, but now I want it to have been because now I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it that Absolutely. way with that exact tone every time. Um, how do you chain up a a broom? I, I was trying mm. to sort of figure this hmm. out because sure it doesn't make any sense um and it makes even less sense given what we see in the heading of the next chapter and it, it it's a are are the broomsticks flared for reasons that don't make any sense um, i will say that they oh yeah that really doesn't make any sense does it i don't know so I mean, it'd be really funny if they had, like, handlebars on the front, like a bike. Uh, (laughs) They do in the movies, and this might actually have made more sense, but in the movies they have um, almost, like, stirrups on for your to hold your feet on i mean they're not like actual stirrups but they have these little like flanges it's a pogo stick it actually is (laughs) which at least gives something for some traction to put some chains on i suppose I feel like you just hit a wonderful moment of just, you know, I've been immersed in this world of where we got to that line about how they've chained up the broomsticks, and I just kind of went, yeah. But now that <laughs> putting a lens on it, I'm just going, okay, I have, I actually had no concept of what that was, but I'm just in enough. I'm like, sure, yeah, they chain up broomsticks. That's a thing. <laughs> this is what I'm here for. Hmm. So I love Harry's description of his father. It's It's so funny. It's so fascinatingly funny. Would, would this be the oneself but with deliberate mistakes line? Or yes. What? That, yes. I, that was I, I adored that. It was such it's, a wonderful description. 
it's 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 so funny because it's just like it how self-important are you (laughs) how how much of a schmuck are you that you're like oh he looks exactly like me but wrong (laughs) and deliberately so uh just just so so hilariously fascinating um james scribbling in his notebook is, is such that this this feels very wrong for his character but so funny um and it's kind of great that he's sit- sitting and like embellishing an le in his notebook and drawing hearts around it that this feels like a little bit of a self-insert and it kind of doesn't make sense with an asshole jock but but I'm kind of here for it because yeah. it's just so funny. I don't know. I I have I have known a few of the sort of like asshole jocks who trend towards emo in certain aspects of their life, and I love that it <laughs> is represented here on the page. Like this is okay. Yep. This, this is this is where yep. it is. Um, I I think that that we need to seep in how awesomely terrible James is. James is so bad that that. He makes Weatherby look good. Mm-hmm. Like he, I would say that he and Umbridge are sort of uh, like not quite the same par because he he's a teenager. But like this this would be like where like he would eventually be. I mean, I, I feel like uh, they'd have different origins because Umbridge is definitely like hasn't wielded power up until now and has always wanted it. But James is the like I've always been able to tear the the wings off of flies and 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 stuff like that and he does this basically continuously but we'll get to that further in questions uh wormtail is justified uh like it in in doing terrible things like that he killed muggles is is terrible like unquestionably <laughs> but that bj says that dismissively. He did terrible things <laughs> But that he sure, that, sure, that yeah. he got revenge on this group that is basically tormenting him th- throughout high school very clearly. Like, how dumb are you, Wormtail? You you hang around a werewolf. Like, how could you ever get this wrong? And it's just like, just throw away stuff like that. It's like, why why are you so terrible to the people around you? And it's so funny that that Harry gets to see this and. It's not going to change him at all. Like it, it's not going to do anything. Harry is is going to keep going forward in the like I, you know, be be the same person he is, and it it's kind of great. Also, some of the other wild things, like whatever is going on with the snitch and and Wormtail is is wild. And that's I feel a weird like one. There needs to be a deep dive mm-hmm. into this one paragraph because what, uh, it's. James is is playing with the snitch a lot and you know teasing Wormtail's it and whatever fascinated. And, and he's he's locked in and <laughs> also serious I mean kind of still terrible but like you know stop playing with it before Wormtail wets himself and and <laughs> just like all all the things about it like I feel like we're getting more into the innuendo portion of some of these things and it's it's weird it's a deeply weird scene. Uh, would like to point out two things. One, Lupin is Lupin all the way through his life. He is the only bright spot in all yep. of this. Um, the rock. And two, I think there will be an interesting conversation to be had about 
what is the influence of these being Snape's memories on how the interactions are colored. Yeah, I, I think we should talk about that maybe a little bit more in newbies' yeah. notes and maybe a little bit more in questions, yeah. um, just because of what and, and where they are. Uh, the thing that like kind of strikes me is it, it's unfortunate that we only have Crab and Goyle in uh, the group of uh, of of Malfoy friends because mm. it'd be very interesting to have a Remus type character yeah. in with mm-hmm. them. And it would have been a really cool literary device that she could have used to have have that mirror again. Because yeah. everybody else in this group is awful, except for for Remus. And honestly, I I can't tell if Wormtail like was just weird back then, or also a little bit bad. Like it it like yeah. we just don't get enough. Um, but it kind of feels like. They they discovered that they were all animagi and kind of hung out together because of it. It's kind of like, you know, you're friends with the people on your block kind of mm-hmm. thing. And I don't think that Remus would have been friends with them. I feel like he probably would have been friends with Snape and Snape wouldn't have been as terrible if if there wasn't like this animagi, like we can change into things so will be friends, but I know like their their friendship preceded that, I think, mm-hmm. because they all learned how to be or they animagi did... together. Um well because Remus was Because a Remus was a werewolf, yeah. Um yeah. so I think it's actually I think in more than the animagi, it's it's an indictment against the house system because they are friends with the people on their block because they're all on in Gryffindor house. Mm-hmm. There's no reason that James should be in Gryffindor. Well, if there was ever uh, like if there was ever an argument or ever evidence that you choose the house you're in, like your choices matter. Um, yeah. Then this is then this is it, right? Like we don't see it. We talk That's about true. it sometimes with like Harry and Ron and Hermione and and other people, yeah. but we're so like deep in with them now that we don't really come at it from this kind of fresh perspective. Whereas we we get these four sort of in the middle of their Hogwarts career, and it's like oh the 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 qualities of the houses have nothing to do with who you are in Gryffindor House. It's it's really interesting with respect to James of where previously, even for people that were acknowledging he was a bully, they everyone has emphasized the heroic aspects of his character, the inspirational aspects, the things that they still remember in the context of maybe just associated with his death and how he went mm-hmm. out. But it raises questions about whether he in some way grew into the values of the house or whether... Now that we've actually got to see a, bir- a, a direct eye lens, this is in some way not a complete encapsulation of his character, but this is just so hard in to James being an unforgivable twat mm-hmm. that I now have a hard time seeing or imagining the other ones because I'm in with Snape's perspective. I have a hard time seeing outside of that now that I've had that kind of intimate look into a day in the life. But it seems like everybody else has a more, either a different or possibly more rounded view, or possibly they're focusing on how he altered or matured over later in his life. I don't know yet, but we've got a very interesting data point now to ponder in light of everything we've had previously on the character. And I I feel like... G- I was going to say, I really wish we actually got Lily's perspective in some sense, because her little encapsulation of James seems to, kind of towards the end of this memory, seems to be like mm. the most spot-on assessment that we get. I also really like that Sirius 
really just no bars, nothing held back. <laughs> you're a bit of a prep. Yep. Like, this is just <laughs> yeah. what it is. Th think she's saying you're a bit conceited, mate. Right? <laughs> like, just reading between the lines there. I mean, not that hard. Um, I was going to say, it, it, like, I, I wonder if some of uh, how James is thought of is th this kind of feels like he put together a society uh, or, or a group that wasn't really bent on doing good and ended up doing some good and then he died and then they're just like oh he's super heroic yeah. uh and it's like yeah oh okay um yeah i james is awful and it's hilarious um i yeah it, it it's it's just sort of uh fascinating and it would be interesting to see a little bit more of like the next three to five mm -hmm. years uh well ish uh <laughs> we have we haven't we're seeing him them as fifth years did i have that right I th yeah he's or... he's 15 um i think they're supposed to be the exact same yeah. age but you know this yeah. is the same it is the same wait no they're a year older are are because harry's not taking owls this year. yes he is oh he he's is okay setting up to mm -hmm. it yeah at the gotcha. end of the year okay. yeah so i think we're yeah. oh yeah fred and george are taking yes that's yep. right um yeah so it's fascinating i know and who would have thought at the in the first couple of books that we would have gotten to a point where we actually get that harry's father is is terrible that snape is right that <laughs> harry's father is a, a jerk i think we've had a lot of breadcrumbs to mm -hmm. it um and but we haven't had a a good a character that didn't have like a little bit of a chip with harry yes um and it's also or nostalgia with James. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's also really fascinating that Flitwick has like not like is is not more part of the story mm -hmm. because that would have been something that I feel like should have happened. First of all, that Fl I feel like these a lot of these things should be in newbies' notes. Well, uh, we really are bleeding today between the mixing together. Yeah. So. Uh, I, I think that's all of my, my, uh, significant here. wheezes other than, uh, Lily's also a little bit terrible. And I, I just want to yeah. point this out that like, it makes sense that Lily and James got together because they're terrible in kind of similar ways. She's just not as overt about it. Um, I get, I get that like Snape calling her a mudblood is not really okay, but like i don't know in, in context it's it, it's 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 a low blow on both their parts but i feel like she goes a little bit further um and in ways that like weren't super necessary um it's almost like there might I be some sort of history there yes um i do want to throw in that uh slytherin kind of feels like uh spencer what's the the secret society and and yale or harvard or whatever the skull and like, bones, bones. Yeah, it feels a little bit like Skull and Bones, uh, where I bet a whole bunch of people in Skull and Bones were also part of the KKK for a really long time. <laughs> and so, like, there's this 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 feel that a lot of there's the like, how much of it is white pride that people are in here? Mm. How much of it is, you know, a group of whatever? And I feel like Slytherin has sort of that if you were a pure blood wizard and you're not in Slytherin, like, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> Um, and so I, I think that there's, there's this like only pure blood outcasts are in 
like other houses mm. and there's because of a lot of its history there's some negative things to it but it's also like no this is the fraternity if you want to succeed as a wizard um and i feel like there there's a little bit more of that sort of coming out in in the histories that we're getting newbie's notes then newbie's notes let's do it uh we kind of led into it with the end of our uh, last episode, but I, I got to emphasize it again. The first page on this of this chapter is brilliant. It is incredibly effective, both from essentially a visual and a focus standpoint. It's like, this should be offered as just like an example of it. You want to know how to start a chapter in a very, very compelling manner? This, th- this, is, this is a way to do it. It works well. It sets a great tone for the chapter. It just draws the eye, if nothing else. So we get the actual print of the educational decree number 29, naming Dolores Jane Umbridge as uh, the replacement for Albus Dumbledore as head of Hogwarts House of... Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Signed by Cornelius Fudge. Mm -hmm. And so we, we really get, like, an emphasis on what's going on. I will say that I'm very disappointed in the copy editor that... We have two lines of other text on the page. Yeah, it should have. I'm pretty sure that the hardbacks that we have are sort of like an original, like the initial printing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it might work better in uh, a pulp, uh, like uh, where it could soft. just be that. Yeah. 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 Mine is purely just that. Mm-hmm. No, okay. nothing but nothing but the decree mm-hmm. for my my Kindle page. Yep. Did you? Uh, Was mm-hmm. that your highlighting, Spencer? Yes. I, I, when I when I'm taking notes, I just highlight individual words to then return back to for greater oh. notes. Okay. <laughs> that first page had like three notes, and I was like, "Come back to this. Come back to this. Come back." To this. Uh, but it, it, it's it it goes straight from Snape's worst memory and that picture of uh, Harry in the pensive to almost like a sub chapter heading by order of the Ministry mm-hmm. of Magic in bold. Then does the decree, and that's page one. It's like mm-hmm. I'm in. I like I. This, this is the this is the moment of like you're a parent reading to your kid and it's gotten pretty late at night, but you then like can we just see what the next chapter says? <laughs> Flip to it. It's like okay, we got nothing planned for the next hour. <laughs> go, let's go. Um, I would like to point out that like this chapter gets so wild that the fact that we start with Dolores Umbridge becoming headmistress gets complete got completely it's lost average. in our so far discussion of this chapter. Yeah, yep. there's um, a lot I, going on. There, there's a lot going on. Um, I, I thought a little bit about wheezing about her not being able to get into the headmaster's yeah, office. I love that moment um, so much. That, that's pretty great. Ha- having like the anyway, we'll we'll get there. It's one. I mean, it's one of two like little bits of. It's, there's a few like little bits of redemption moments for this chapter. But let's let's give the audience something. Mm-hmm. They're low. They're going to get lower before the end. Let's give them a little bit of happiness. One, the gargoyle just saying, <laughs> no, when she tries to go to that bachelor's office, it's just delightful. Tell me that's in the movie. I want to see that in visual form. It is unfortunately not. But do we oh. think that do we think that this is something that like Dumbledore has set up? Or do we think that the office itself is somehow sentient? And it's like, I don't think so. I want this to be like, you know, the, the, the throne in Game of Thrones reject, re- rejecting the king kind of thing when it stabs him. I want this to be the actual institution itself making a call of saying you are not yeah. worthy to sit the throne. So the other thing that I like, uh, it's definitely not what happened, but the other thing that I can sort of imagine happening is that she did get in. And every portrait of every previous <laughs> headmaster 
just kept insulting her and just were like, no, get out. You like you don't deserve to be here. You weren't you weren't instilled properly. We don't give a damn about what the Ministry of Magic says. No. You you, you need to leave. Yep. And... The gallery rejected her, not the office. <laughs> exactly. Um and they basically just wouldn't let her do any work and that was that. Coupled with that, we get two in rapid succession that I thought were like, okay, let's make people feel a little bit better before we get further. There's that one. And then, BJ, I felt like there was one that was just given to you where uh, Weatherby emphasized as junior assistant and every reporting on him, I just found very <laughs> amusing. That, that was very that, funny. Um, I also like the uh, pumpkin head uh, thing yeah. that, that's, the that just like creeped in. Um, it's like, and, oh, that's horrific. Yeah. Uh, horrific, I, but also just like, uh, you know. It, it felt very well. We have to have an uh, an urban legend. Let's yeah. just take mm-hmm. one. It's fine. It, it, it's one of those moments where I feel like Harry still doesn't fully understand what it's like being in a school of where he seems surprised that a rumor is just <laughs> circling immediately around the halls. Like, mm-hmm. dude, you've been in a school for five years. Anybody who's been in a school knows everything's any rumor spreads like wildfire down the halls at the first opportunity. And yep. morphs and changes and develops all kinds of entertaining little, you know, side paths as it goes. And I feel like the portraits are 100% responsible for this. Oh, yeah. They're whispering down the yeah. halls. It's like, there's, there's no there's no longer, you know, the metaphorical ambient whisper. It's, no, it's literally the paintings that are spreading. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but also we have the entire school gets together in a single room for meals. Like, yeah. <laughs> how... Would you not think that things get passed along? And and we we also know that this spans houses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, because like it's in, in. I mean, Hufflepuff might not know about it, but like <laughs> everybody else certainly Everybody does, else yeah. is going to. Yeah. No, they're in the kitchens. They know everything. We've discussed this before. Um, but do they care? <laughs> it depends question. how crunchy the snacks are and how how if they can hear anything over the crunchiness of the snacks. <laughs> If they want, if they wanted more Hufflepuffs and Dumbledore's army, they had to get the snack cam on. That <laughs> was the easy way to get them in. You could have an entire army of them at your beck and call. Uh, Hermione feels like one of the fir- the first of a few ch- uh, characters this chapter that is consciously unchained. Now that the rules obviously don't matter, like what she had previously adhered to, the values that she'd upheld, how she had structured herself, people are now wiping their ass with it. It is gone. It is just being people actively walking the halls thumbing their nose with it. And so her response is just, okay, then I don't care anymore. I'm feeling a bit rebellious. This coupled oh, with BJ... Spencer, Spencer yeah. you, you, you're, you're, you're running ahead. You're running I, ahead. You missed, I, like, important things. You don't, you don't know that yet, but please, emphasize it. So, I mean, you, you, you've gone past the, the whole prefect scene with... I, I, I'm returning to that. Okay. For several of these characters, they get like a first data point and like four after. So I'm just going to compile them together. And the prefect scene will be hit, I assure you. Uh, Uh, But I do like, I really like the the Hermione looking at Fred and George a little bit differently mm -hmm, after they explain Mm -hmm. themselves. And I feel like this is a, she starts to understand them more as people rather than as like the caricatures of themselves and Ron's older brothers, where mm-hmm. it's like, no, you like, did you not wonder like how much trouble we were ever in? Like it was always like the exact same amount. Mm-hmm. 
and never interfered with anything else that we wanted to do. It never interfered with our Quidditch practice. It never interfered with them coming up with pranks. Sorry. It was always just like a little bit like you're supposed to be smart. Yeah, it, it was, was highly it, calculated also, the entire time. It was highly calculated. It's, it's also scary. It's also legitimately scary. Like from from Hermione's perspective, these guys were agents of chaos. To which their response is, Mm-mm. "No, we had rules. Now we don't. Now you get to see what us without rules is." Uh, and to also in terms of scary things, BJ, you kind of set this up last chapter. But the fact that Pomfrey can't fix Hermione's jinx is scary. It's like this girl's gonna have a reputation down the halls about if she didn't already about don't fuck with her. There's no limit to what she could accomplish, and maybe people can't ever fix it. We don't know yet. I mean, I can also imagine that you have to know the hex to fix it, and I think this was a surprisingly creative use of a, like, a minor hex. I don't remember exactly, like, what the hex Mm -hmm. was. I don't think we know specifically. Um... Again, if, if, if that is the literal explanation... The rumor mill, though, is going to paint her as practically a dark wizard in terms of describing Sure. Uh, okay. In- we'll-, we'll go into it, BJ. The Inquisitorial Squad. The Inquisition, they have showed up. So this, I want to point out, this was the thing that I couldn't remember last chapter if we had gotten yet or was coming. Mm-hmm. This was it. Th- th- this yeah. directly extends from our ponderings last chapter of where, what, was it just the prefects in action? Because that was the only ones named? Like, yeah. This, whether that was an effect at that time or not, this is now what I... Sarah and I were, you know, talking about last chapter of where, no, 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 the Slytherins have just been deputized to be evil, to just appeal to their worst impulses without any seeming check or balance upon them. That as we don't up, know it, it's that that it's just the Slytherins, first of it's all. The ones we see. I mean, but the only ones we see are the Slytherin prefects. So Montague, I don't think he was a prefect. Did we know about him? Uh. Yeah, Montague wasn't because there are two prefects from okay. each house, and, and it's, it's uh, Malfoy and Pansy and Parkinson. Pansy. Yeah. Yep. Do we actually know they're dating? I mean, it's it, perfectly logical to ship them, but I just don't know <laughs> if we, we do. Um, what do we know about Montague? And I, also, Captain of the Quidditch team is the data point we get yep. here. Okay. And, and he um, apparently can fit into a sewer plumbing based on where he ends <laughs> up. Oh, yeah. Um, I guess the other thing is, like, who do we... Like, we... I, this would be much more clear in the movie. Uh, like, who actually has, you know, the Inquisitorial Squad, mm-hmm. uh, like, badges. Because there, there is a part of me that's like, did, did Umbridge just go to Malfoy, hand him, like, five badges, and go, like... Deputize who you will. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or, or was there something else going on? And like, who has it in this group? Because if Crab and Goyle have badges, I think everybody's made mistakes. Um, honestly, like, I don't think that that Draco would have given them badges. Draco yeah. thinks they're idiots. Like, yeah, right. And so, if they have badges, it's definitely Umbridge doing it. Um, if and I, I could see. I guess in my mind, it would be J.K. Rowling making a mistake that Draco would give them badges. Yeah. Because there's no reason for them to have badges. They they just are, you know, his backup I, dancers. I don't picture Umbridge <laughs> letting other people make that decision. I, backup dancers is a funny way of putting that BJ credit there. Uh, but I, I picture this being done by Umbridge, also just in part because we I don't 
my kind of like headcan about Malfoy is that even his own house doesn't seem as that cool. Like he's not necessarily like the social director of his own community. And the fact that somebody like Montague, who is, or however you pronounce the the guy's name, who is captain of the Quidditch team, who was the classic, you know, popular guy also has a badge. This seems more like Umbridge just kind of picked priority people to, you know, enforce her orders by sheer glee. Uh, Yeah. Characters in text point out the point and prefect system is dead. It, yeah. it, it was it was running on a we've been joking about it basically running on an honor system from day one and now no one's even bothering to adhere to the basic standards of decorum mm-hmm. associated with it and it's also very interesting that i i don't think i wonder how i i guess i i uh identify a lot more with fred and george than pretty much any other characters in this entire series. Um, And the, their response is, I think a little bit off. um, And it really bothered me. Um, And, and sort of unsurprisingly, I I have thoughts about this, which is that, that nobody pushed on Malfoy to do something reckless with the point system. He's done things that are like within bounds and this is where, like, and maybe, like, we'll get this scene later, and I really hope we do, that it's just like, no, keep taking points, because this is meaningless now. Right. And, and... You're undermining Malfoy, the uh, basis of your power by how meaningless you're treating this. Exactly. I mean, I think that, like, I, I kind of take your point, BJ, but I also get the sense that Fred and George are so far, like, they were just waiting for something um to push them over the edge like if the points are meaningless then why are they going to sit there and antagonize malfoy they clearly have bigger things planned so why do that because because it says something to everybody else in the school um and it says like i think it says something to the teachers because they'll know they know how like what's happening with the points and uh well i think i think the fireworks said something to everybody else and said something to the teachers I feel like we're in the early stage of everyone's realization that the system is broken. And it's going to be really interesting yeah. to see how people act with that going forward. Of Where our central world characters are in the know just because they saw an early example of it. Now everyone's just going to see that Slytherin's going to get all the points for everybody else and everyone else is going to go down. And it's good. once the system is broken in that regards, no one's going to care. If it's entirely unfair and obviously unfair, no one's going to be loyal to it anymore. And that's going to yep. be fascinating to see what to what degree unshackled people are by this and what they do with that. Mm-hmm. I think it's going it to be dis- dangerous. It destroys the uh, classroom propriety. I mean, because that was essentially yeah. the only thing that was being held over students sort of not, I mean, misbehaving, I think is, is in quotes, yeah. but like not, not doing sort of anything like that. And um, it also, and I mean, th- this is sort of problematic in having these together. It, completely like destroys quidditch yeah. uh and like any interest it like there is still the win but like it does it's not into something bigger mm-hmm. um spencer have we seen the hourglasses before because i don't remember this um and i don't it, remember them at all i think uh, have. I, I didn't know if this was some uh okay i like i just don't oh. remember like and and i was trying to decide whether i wanted to put this in my wheezes is is like is this another thing that's going to show up once and basically never again. No, I think we had them, like, from the first book. 
this isn't the category of things where I assumed that we'd seen them before, but then was frustrated yeah. that we haven't seen them constantly since. Because this is such a great visual depiction of, you know, the point system throughout everything else. It's like, why haven't they been talking about what these things have been flying around every other chapter when they've been discussing points? It's like, yeah. But fully, fully understand it's been. It's set also up, been but... like five or six years since we've read the first book, and <laughs> yeah, I, no, I think they get referenced like periodically. Um... They definitely don't get referenced periodically and and like regularly throughout the books because there's just a you know points, points, points. Uh, but yeah, it could be like once in in like another book or two where at the end they looked at the hourglasses, but like I'm pretty sure. I, I would remember it because, like, as Spencer, as you're saying, this is a great way to visualize it. Yeah, but so... Both for the audience and in-universe. In-universe, yeah. the fact that it's prominent and visual and you can see them little tick tickling and flying about, mm -hmm. it's meant to add to the effect in terms of people just observing it. Same as on yeah. us. So it does look like they appeared in the first book and then they appeared here. And then we will okay. see them several times since then. It, it, But they also appear in the films... Like in every film, that well, that that, that makes sense. Yeah. That's fair, but also Spencer and I are basically the only people that have never seen the movies. <laughs> uh, but and they weren't the last movie that I remember. Well, so. <laughs> you were just getting assailed by images, though. Can you even like remember remember anything from that? There are a couple of things that I do remember, but yeah, they are not, not in the last. Not they are relevant. not in the last movie. Um, yeah. Uh, in, in terms of just, we want to. I'd almost just like put this forward as just an early example of winner of this chapter. Malfoy's on cloud nine. Like everything is coming up Malfoy, and it's been that way like the entire damn book. I mean, just like between the fact that he's got the he's on the Inquisitorial squad, between finding out that Harry's doing remedial potions, which is just outright rendering him gleeful. Between Weasley as its king also still being still, in a jam that's yep. sticking around in people's minds. The man's winning the book. He's having a great old-fashioned <laughs> time right now. Uh, I, I think Fred and George are real high up there for winners of the chapter. Yeah. But we have basically the entire chapter for Newbie's Notes, Spencer. You, we can't keep be dribbling into the... <laughs> we're <laughs> I, we're, there, we're real there. kerfutz, this whole thing. Segments mean nothing anymore. Points mean nothing. <laughs> I mean, with a chapter like this, yes. to be fair. Yes. Getting get to the second part of the chapter here in a second. Just got a couple more points to get through. As you've now referenced several times, BJ, Fred and George. Fascinating. The, the concept of mayhem versus loyalty and how that's been playing out, what they're now revealing is really interesting, and I feel like I understand their characters with Hermione better than I did previously, and that's nice to finally have. Also, yeah. the fact that, well, and you noted, though, their treatment of Montague is... Cruel by even their own standards. Previously, they've just been, you know, like playful hijinks, even if they've been kind of damaging or whatever else. They didn't give a shit whether this guy might be. Yeah, dead. they shoved him into That's a shoved him into a vanishing cupboard that nobody knows what happens to what gets put into this cupboard. Spencer, yeah, mm. put a little red string around the vanishing cupboard. Okay, <laughs> uh, it's over there. I will uh -huh. do it here in a minute. Uh, uh, I mean, because I, I don't, I don't think he's come back this chapter, which is no, going to be. They do find. Yes, they find they him because that's him. what right. yeah. Snape, oh, yeah. Snape yeah. Yeah, has that's... to go check on him. Yep, Snape has right. to go full yep. plumber and remove him actively from being buried. Yep. In a Snape toilet. moonlighting as Mario is our. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
also the the Weasley's wildfire was banks the fact like you noted here that it creates their own firework ecosystem that continues to reproduce replicate and spread including particularly driven by your efforts to dissent to disable it is utterly so, brilliant these guys, these guys are criminal masterminds this what this is like a wartime turning point in a star trek <laughs> series and basically inventing exactly this <laughs> mm-hmm uh, and yes, it, it was like a huge plot point for <laughs> character development for for like m- basically this... the arc of the entire series. Like it, it this is like hilarious what mm-hmm. they've done here. Are you talking about the mines they used to mine the wormfield a wormhole against the Dominion? Yep, I'm right with you, BJ. Star Trek nerds unite. Um, Filch loving this is something I'd forgotten about, but is so Filch. It's <laughs> like yep. the fact that he is just. The fact that Umbridge is now giving him all the power he ever wanted, it's like, if anyone in the entire university would not object to Umbridge, of course it wouldn't be Filch. He's in for this. This is what he's been asking for for years. She's giving him control to straight up return to corporal punishments along apparently like the old hallowed days of medieval Hogwarts and also get rid of Peeves. Everything he's wanted. This is, yep. Why would Filch ever complain about this? While on the also, other hand... Also, corporal punishment as... The the top tier light. reward for for Filch is uh, darker than I <laughs> expected that we would be going right now, uh, and how like I want to inflict pain and bloody students is we've known it was there, but it's spelled mm-hmm. out now. Yeah, so it's almost to a point I was kind of just laughing it off previously as being metaphorical, like you know I want to put the screws to them as if it was just like you know an expression. It's like. No, no, no. He's got the thumbscrews in his office, and he looks at them longingly each day to when he can start using them again. Uh, meanwhile, the, the rest of the professors, to a man, are just not even pretending to tolerate the new regime. Passive-aggressively confronting the new regime with respect to making... Malicious them, compliance. <laughs> making Umbridge every single time come in to fix her own both literal and literal and practical messes. Uh, BJ, I'm so disappointed, though, that our theory from the last chapter about Umbridge not being able to use magic has immediately been jossed. Of where we get to see her use stupefy in this chapter and get to see an effect of it with a wand. She's, so, I, I wanted her to be a squib so much, but it is not the case. Nope, she's just, she's just regular terrible. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I thought, I mean, is, I feel like we've talked about this before, and I just don't remember what it is. But like, it, there is sort of like a level of magic that one has to be able to do to like, I mean. There, there's a band of, of power yeah. wizards. So, like, sure. um, unclear... Filch, Dumbledore, <laughs> and everyone in yeah. between. And, and yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, wh- how how low power do you need to be to be a squib? And d- does that mean that you're really not at, at all powerful? Because I, like, I feel like we talked about this in how people refer mm. to squibs. Because squibs, like, are, like, sort of something happens with a squib. But it's not really, like, uh, you know... Yeah, it's like, I mean, it's the like, anyway, so again, sort of a spectrum, but if functionally powerless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, uh, we have, which we have highlighted here where at one point Umbridge even calls out to Filch to, you know, this is how you do, this is what you shouldn't do, Filch. And Filch is just like, I couldn't do that anymore. Anyway. Could you use magic yeah. right now? Yeah. So I, I've uh, got a broom. I'm going to use that right now. Which is very funny. Like the idea that. Filch and like Umbridge has allied or Filch is allied with Umbridge and like she doesn't know that he's a squib and it doesn't matter 
Well, also, I mean, I think that she would uh, care if she knew that he was a squib. She would probably still use him, but like, yeah, she, she'd uh, now treat him as her like her charity yes. case. It would be like you know the, the, the some aspect of white man's burden associated with that. Oh yes, we should must give him a prominent role so he has something to do in society. <laughs> is is the broom? Are all brooms magic in the Harry Potter world, or are they not magic? Because this is a really weird thing if he's basically taking a flying broom and swatting it, you know, do you, do you sort of, like, fly around they, on it a little bit? They have and swat, to be specifically like, enchanted and constructed in a mm, in the same way mm. that not all sticks are wands, not all brooms are <laughs> flying. Yeah, because you have to have the soul of an animal <laughs> encased in your wand as a source of focusing and power. Like, if something doesn't die for it, it's Kinda. clearly not magical enough. You for don't you have to die it. for it, obviously, because Fox's feathers are in, and Fox is still very much uh, That is absolutely not a good example, <laughs> No, Fox is dying That's and reading true, and constantly. It's the nature of a phoenix. <laughs> uh, continuing on, uh, Harry and show and the whole sympathy for the devil discussion was... I don't even know if we could say these guys are dating, but I'm already would be like, eh, maybe you guys just shouldn't interact. Just like, there's, there's no need. Just like you're, you're going through the same cycles of just hurting each other every single time you interact. So maybe yeah. stop. Uh, it but... was it was very interesting because I feel like Cho is already like already turning in a way that like Harry Harry can't agree with. Define turning. Um. She's making excuses for uh, Marietta that aren't really good ones. Um, and it was like the outcome wasn't terrible, so it was okay because of her circumstances. And uh, I feel like we're getting uh, played out in, in a small way the broader, like, people sympathizing with Death Eaters. Like, like nothing really bad happened, so it's kind of okay what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like sympathizing with Death Eaters is too far to go there, but I think it's sort of the like, what, it's sympathizing with, I think the better comparison is sympathizing with people in the ministry who are um, like supporting. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not saying it's the yeah. same thing. I'm just sort of saying like we're getting examples of like how, how people like fall down not good mm-hmm. paths in like justifications so like i'm not saying that what marietta did in terms of like outing uh the da club and whatever is is the same but it but it's a here's a thread of of uh where people are going to end up yeah um and how they end up that way what like it is not the stakes of the uh larger problems in the wizarding world but it's the same uh, the same well, and the only reason that I point that out is that, like, uh, yes, a lot of people didn't end up standing up to Voldemort, but it wasn't a lot of it wasn't like sympathy to Death Eaters necessarily. There might have been a little sympathy to the cause. There might have been, but there was a lot of terror. Like, I feel like that. I only point it out because I feel like that's a, an extremely specific strong case. Whereas there are these more everyday evils that we yeah. talked about in something like the Ministry um, that are kind of yeah. these, like, bureaucratic was... evils, which we even, like, yeah. Cho even sort of points out here, she gets to it because she's talking about Marietta's mother and the backlash that she would have faced in the ministry. Um, and so I just, like, I just yeah. get a little uncomfortable around the sort of, like, sympathizing with Death Eaters language because there actually isn't much of that 
And I just want to make that distinction. I guess I was clear. thinking back to the previous book where like the there were Death Eaters like messing That's with true. muggles and a lot of people sort of yeah. joining in and it was like, well, like we could sweep it under a rug. So That's a fair point. It was it That's wasn't a, a this completely insane thing happened at the Super yeah. Bowl or uh, yeah. you know, the final match of um it was a well, no one really got hurt, so Yeah. Yeah, that's a fair point. I had sort of forgotten about about that scene, so I half retract my statement. Um I, I, I just I, I think that there is a an interesting uh muddling of, you know, of evils yes. in yes. the book. And, you know, what what they mean. Um and I'm sort of curious to see how it plays out because it, if it's deliberate, it's really interesting. Yeah. And I think that, that it'll be more and more interesting as we go forward. And it feels like we're getting some of that with yes. Umbridge. Well, and we've talked about this, too, in terms of Umbridge and, and Fudge. And, like, are they yeah. supporters of Voldemort? Or are they the sort of banal, bureaucratic, grab-for-power evil? Yeah. Are those connected to each other? Or do do we just have, like, separate evils in, existing in the world? Yeah, it's it's interesting with respect to Aaron Joe's conversation of where I feel like there is an adult conversation these two could have had on very similar lines to what you two just discussed with respect to Marietta. You know, Joe saying, you know, I know she, but she was wrong, but she's my friend and I'm trying to see the best light of her and I'm really sorry for what happened. And Harry's saying what she did was unacceptable, but I'm not blaming you for that. But neither of them were in any way adult enough to equip to actually have that discussion that could have gone productively. Instead, they just returned to the prior means of poking each other that they've already mm-hmm. known so well. And such will continue here on after. This is in the category now of now that it's happened twice, it's going to default to this at every available opportunity because that's how teenage relationships go. Um, it, it will frustrate me if Cho doesn't sort of go a little bit evil because we're we're getting that... I mean, it depends what you mean by evil, but like if she doesn't lean a little bit more towards uh, either the bureaucratic uh, side of... I mean, I guess we're terming evil or the Slytherin side, sort of depending on, like, what draws her. Because we're getting that negative character arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it goes in that direction, I'm suspecting more bureaucratic as a just way of trying to cope and make sense of what other things have been happening. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, this, I mean, we're getting a parallel of, of Harry and his dad with how they treat other people. And mm-hmm. that, honestly, that Snape is uh, reformed. Uh, I think speaks mo- a little bit more towards how terrible James is than anything else. Uh, I'm going to bang on this drum until we get any evidence to the contrary, and I don't think we're going to get it. Well, in terms of just things that Abby put thread up on the wall before we get into Snape's memory, uh, the light of the Pensieve being described as a little like the light that he had seen in his dream last night, the lights in the second room he had walked through on his journey through the Department of Mysteries. I don't know what that means yet, but I'm going to make a note <laughs> that that gives me my first, you know, interesting little bits of comparison about what might be the secret that is now encapsulated in the Department of Mysteries that we've been taunted with for so long, the weapon of whatever it is. Perhaps it has something to do with this memory device or something related to uh, the magic in it. But Snape's memory. Um, The rose-colored glasses are off, both for characters in story and us as audience out. Hold up, Spencer. uh, Harry Potter is awful. I think we need to say that before we get into the actual memory itself. With, with, with respect to Cho or with respect to looking into the memory? Or, with you respect got to looking here, into the memory. Because, yes. like, he he deliberately thought about it. There, there, This wasn't a, like, 
I'm going to do something I, else. I he knew. It. He knew what yeah. he was getting into. He knew this was a violation of privacy. It's, and it's not motivated by anything other than Harry Potter. Other than awful. Harry Potter okay. wants to know what's in this memory that Snape keeps taking out of his head. So therefore he does the thing. And it's astonishingly yeah. terrible. I, y- yes. Well, it's, it's astonishingly terrible. It's terrible to the point that after it happens, like Harry is actually going to maybe feel, um, well, <laughs> Maybe I'm assigning too good a character traits to him. This it seems like Harry at the end is chastened in a way he's never been. Only before. because he found like, out something bad about his dad. Yeah, and that's the issue of where I'll need to see this parsed out more. Of where he has no attempt to come back, no attempt to fire whatever else. But if that's just purely he's rocked by the news about his dad, or he's recognizing that Snape is coming from someplace with respect to what I just heard him. I'm like you guys. I'm clearly leaning in yeah. terms of option one rather than option two, but we haven't seen it yet. He's upset that he learned something bad about his dad, and he's worried that he's going to get in trouble with Ron and Hermione and with the powers that be that he's no longer going to be taking occlumency lessons. Like, I think all the evidence, no spoilers, but all the evidence we get in this chapter is that those are the two things that he's concerned about because. He is a profoundly self He is. And God knows, I love him. But <laughs> this is not a good chapter. The, this only, is reason, not good <laughs> the only reason that, that Gryffindor doesn't have the reputation that Slytherin does is A, it's they win yes. <laughs> by, by outright like strength. And they have, yeah, they have yeah. better branding. That's, that's all it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, as for the memory itself, it... it this we had bg said we had breadcrumbs with respect to this before it's the category of it isn't necessarily a shock in that regard because it's been talked about by even characters like dumbledore previously and snape certainly the scale of it though the intensity of it getting to see it from snape's perspective reaches a fever pitch to the point of where if this book series wants me to perceive james or even to a certain degree serious lesser degree serious as legitimately good characters that have nice things to be said about them, it's going to have to go hard. It's like, there's a lot of redemption arc that's now going to have to occur with respect to somebody who's dead to to restore him to even a point of being tolerable in my mind based on where this cha- this back half of this chapter point hits. Now, BJ, you were shaking your head too. Oh, just, yeah, all of it. Like, it's, I, th- I feel like we're going to get a redemption arc that's not deserved. And... It, it's i don't know it what what can happen other i think i feel like their redemption is going to be what happens in the wizarding war and they do heroic things but and their personalities are going to magically change and and because you know i mean i guess the the only real impetus that that james has right now to change is he has a crush and his crush isn't that much better than he is yeah, let's get into that, too, uh, where, I mean, as you guys know, Lupin is Lupin, and I like that Lupin has remained consistent in that regard. He isn't thwarting or opposing their plans, but he clearly seems to not like them in terms of what he sees his friends doing. But He does seem to try and redirect mm-hmm. a little bit, but very, is, very, is not the, no, the it's head. Not, so, like, it's, it's certainly not, not confrontational yeah. either, which which also tracks with the with the Lupin we see now. Like, he's not generally going up head-to-head with but, with people it, yeah. it, there's, there's a very clear pecking order when it comes to this group that we're now very clearly laying out james is the leader sirius is the ride or die mm-hmm. number two who doesn't seem to necessarily like or dislike the you know plant the cruel plans that james is engaging in he just wants to what are we doing now whatever, whatever yeah. is required 
Yeah. Lupin is... Lupin's like the friend that they've adopted and is just really happy to have friends kind of thing. And then Wormtail's an even more extreme version of that, of where he's... like. I've seen a lot of friend groups of where there is a sad sack, there is the whipping boy, and Wormtail is obviously serving that role. But he still in some ways feels happy that he's even just included. Uh, but as you guys said, Lupin feels like he could have been in any other social circle or could have been a very much a loner like Snape. But the fact that he's been brought in for some reason by James and Sirius ensures his loyalty to them as friends, just because otherwise he wouldn't have had that. Um, Were they friends before they... I feel like they all found out about the werewolf thing at the same time, and I feel like that might have made them friends. I'm trying to remember their history. That's kind of the implication, but I don't know if anyone's explicitly said Mm -hmm. that. I mean, that's kind of the feel that I'm starting to get. Like, there were six people in the room, or whatever it is. Uh, It's everybody in Snape, and Snape was the outcast. Hmm. Well, I'm... That's an interesting question. I don't know where the image that we get in this memory falls at, in comparison to Snape almost getting killed by Lupin. Do we do we know whether that's before or after? I kind of assumed it was. this was happening before that, and that was an aspect of, you know, if James is on a redemption arc, that would be happening after. I don't this remember. Is after. I think it must be after, this because is, I feel like... I feel like the werewolf thing was... Maybe, like, among the first times that it ever happened, and it was an accident that it happened, and... That's not how I remember Dumbledore describing it. Dumbledore described it as being, they knew Lupin was a werewolf, and they intentionally set Snape to get attacked by him. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we, this we, was we, all we, in we the same attack. year. Busy year. Um, yeah, so this was all in there. James and Sirius and Wormtail became anime, Animagi anime in their fifth year. Um and they are in their fifth year in this hmm. memory. And towards okay. the end, because they're right. taking out. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it would be after, but not a whole lot yes, after. Yes, I think so. And fascinating, James took nothing from, like, the almost killing Snape. And that he, it sounds like he kind of got punished for. Dumbledore was at least aware yeah. of it. Dumbledore, was he headmaster at this point? I, I feel like we talked yeah, about it, and I, I don't so. remember. I can't remember. It was either, mm, it was either him or Dippet. Yeah. I think I, it might have still been Dumbledore, I though. I hope. I guess I hope it yeah. wasn't. Because I feel like this sort of plays into Gryffindor's good because they're the winners, and Dumbledore is a little bit less impartial than I, I think he... No, Dumbledore was definitely headmaster. Yeah, that's... And had been for a long I mean, time. Uh, okay. Yeah, this is a... I feel like this is a big dark mark against yeah. Dumbledore. Yeah. It's a blotch. Yeah. Um... But we we see in text how many people just have a hero worship of James, regardless of his bad of his bad factors. I mean, in this memory and outside, everyone has previously talked about James in glowing terms, other than Snape. You can see why. <laughs> but here in this chapter, both Sirius and Wormtail, it's like Wormtail's just straight up getting abused, but he is just looking at James with abject adoration at every opportunity. Sirius seems to treat James the same way. Just like I don't care what he does, I just want to be mm-hmm. a part of it. It's like it's almost for. I can, I can, I'd be curious to see whether people have written about it in almost like a romantic lens. Because with like him ignoring all the girls they are flirting with and whatever else and just focused all of his attention and focus on James, one could almost read that as being pseudo-romantic. Yeah. I was looking up, uh, and I quickly stopped because it's... Spoilers? There are spoilers and, and weird people. <laughs> um, oh, great, and great combination. No. <laughs> yeah, uh, they, they're sort of very well tied together. So I was like, ah, no. But like, yeah, the 
does Sirius like James? Uh, let's let let's see if we can get an answer to that on questions, man. Because I, I, I want to see what yeah. Sir, I want to see how Sir reacts <laughs> to the question. Uh, um, but yeah, uh, you guys, you, BJ, you've been emphasizing several times Lily in terms of how we interpret her as a character. It's interesting that she is swooping in to protect Snape, and it doesn't seem like this is the first time that she's done this. It's interesting that I'm now connecting her to the girl that we saw in the little flashback memories that we had from Snape previously. The one, the one I'm guessing that she was the one that was laughing while he was on the broom. You guys remember that little memory mm -hmm. tidbit that we had? Mm -hmm. I think it's reasonable now to associate one with the other, particularly given, you know, what she's meant to play as a role. Um, mm -hmm. But she's stepping into defense day. It seems like she's done this previously, but the tone and tenor and the focus and the little smile she gets while Snape is being abused seems to indicate this is more about James than it is necessarily about Snape, which is interesting. Yeah. She's more focused on confronting James about his shit than she is necessarily protecting uh, Snape with respect to what's happening. Yeah, uh, I, it almost like I don't know. I feel like I'm reading it a lot more into it, but it kind of feels like she might be a decent person and but likes James because that, that, yeah. that's what he's happens. The yeah, and that, so. The, 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 she, she she's a decent person she's trying to protect someone who might legitimately be like a friend of hers we don't know um i'm gonna i'm gonna interpret this like he's a maybe maybe actually a friend of hers or maybe he's just a guy that she's like intolerant not tolerating bullying i can't really say but her focus is i like you and that makes me all the angrier that you're doing this yeah because i don't want to like you if this is the shit that you're doing and I think that's a fair, I, like, I just, um, I think that's a fair read from the chapter based on, especially towards the end of their interaction where she gets to, like, you, this sort of, like, you are such a prick. Do you not see all of this stuff that you're doing? Yeah. yeah. And we get some of this in Hermione and Ron's yes. interactions. It, the, yeah, there are mm. a lot of parallels there, except for some of the more terrible <laughs> things that are done. <laughs> D difference yeah. in scale. Uh, it is really interesting to have hear from James and he almost seems to be like actually trying to answer the question of where Lily asks him why are you doing this to Snape and he, the only response we get from him is the fact that he exists which is a classic kind of bully line of where he just rubs me wrong so I'm always going to go after him but it leaves me to ponder is does James treat everyone this way or is his treatment of Snape focused and unique it's like could this be the like the reason that everybody else sees him as a more positive light of where no 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 like everybody else he was just great he was fine everybody else but Snape received every concentrated aspect of his scorn I don't know My, the tone I'm getting from Lily here is that no 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 he's just an asshole to everyone Snape's just even worse for him but I, I've gotten a hell of an interesting little bit of data here and now I need more so I can understand this he's a complete ass to Wormtail yes as 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 is um. Uh, as is serious, but I think that's just working off what James is doing. The implication here is that James is terrible to everyone, but his, he almost seems to be trying to explain to Lily that, no, no, I, I just really hate this guy. It's almost like a cover mm -hmm. or like an explanation for why he's being terrible. Yeah. Uh, we do get some aspect of James's limits, though. It doesn't forgive anything of what we see, but it's curious what they are, of where he does seem particularly protective of Lupin. Mm-hmm based on what we see in this chapter, which is notable. Could just be ride or die, friend, whatever else, but it could explain why he has such loyalty in his friends that, no, you're in my circle now, I, I'm with you, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on your behalf. He also seems to go hard on the subject of mudbloods, 
and you know objecting to that term whatever else but i don't know if we can divorce that from the fact it's lily that is the directing of that term so we can't necessarily say that he's making like an anti-racist stance in that regard i'm more willing to interpret that as if he if snape had said but but anybody else james would have given a shit but any form of mistreatment of Lily, he's going to white knight that all all at the wazoo. I think he probably would have reported it, but not (laughs) confronted it. Mm -hmm. I mean, this does... So I I think the parallel between uh, uh, Mudblood and the N-Word is, like, really where we're we're going here. Uh, And we talked about this before, as I remember. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I, I think that, you know, he would have tried to make Snape's life much more unpleasant in light of it, but, like, would not have confronted. It would have been an aspect of the bullying rather than an aspect of how it played out in this scene. Um, And also just how... It's interesting the seemingly tight control that the school has on magic has changed uh, in light of the Wizarding War. And They're straight up firing guns at each other in this scene by comparison. Yeah, it's no... Yeah. Um, And... Also interesting is, I wonder how, I mean, this has happened before, given uh, Snape's reaction to James, like, coming over to him Mm -hmm. to mess with him, basically. Because Mm -hmm. Snape almost didn't, like, almost didn't have this interaction. Also very interesting is what uh, James did first to uh, continue with this bullying. Um, And it's such a sweet parallel. It's so, so sweet here. Um, I, I love it so much. Um, and it, it's going to put a little bit of stink every time that this happens in the future, because I know it's going to continue happening. Explain the point, sir. I'm lost. Uh, it's not spoilers. We've had this before with um, Padfoot, right? Uh, it, with the uh, confrontation of Wormtail, right? I think so. Yes, yeah, yes, so. yes, yeah. yes. Okay. Um the first thing that James does is expelliarmusing the the wand. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that, I mean that was very. I mean that, that's isn't it like almost like Harry's default yeah. spell. Yes, that that I I know we've seen it once before, and we've talked about how Harry has already it, used so. it. Harry used it with Voldemort in the end of the last book in the graveyard. Like that was the yeah, yeah was the like point a, of their wands meeting. It was also like the first spell he taught Dumbledore's army to. Yes. It, it, it's, it's his yep. go-to. Yep. So it's a notable point of comparison there. Uh, last thing for me, uh, Snape, well, last thing with respect to the memory, for, and then we'll go into a couple, a couple more reading points, Snape's treatment of Lily. It's like, BJ, you referenced this in terms of their respective interaction of where him calling her a mudblood and saying he's not needing his help is a bit of a cruel action on his part. I felt it was tropey understandable, though, because this felt like it was in the classic lines of he's embarrassed, He's been thrown through the literal mud in front of his, all his classmates, and now someone is swooping in to save his day, and he feels all the weaker because of it. And so he's lashing out in a way that he's going to feel bad about later, possibly with respect to it. At least that's how I read the scene. And also just, like, how how she does it is, like, I don't... She's not defending him, is what we're... I think what we've come to agree on. Well, she she is, but it's not the reason for her action. The primary reason for her actions, necessarily. Right. I, it, she's it, mad yeah. at James. So yeah. I, I've, she's right. She's mad at James more than she's protecting yeah. Snape. Yeah. Uh, Snape's reaction, though, when we get out of this, felt so authentic, so well played. The anger is l- rolling off the page. He's practically unhinged, and it 
feels so accurately done. And even Harry's just fear of it, I, I, I felt in the text too, as he's been in front of this, where he's always been afraid of Snape. He's always been nervous about what Snape do. But in this moment, he has no actual perspective on what limits Snape would follow. Because A, he's learning things about Snape he never knew before, but B, he's now tapping into a level of traumatic pain for Snape that he's previously just kind of mocked and dismissed, but now no longer can. Uh, it, it leaves the t Harry, at the end of this text, rocked in a way that I that hope will inspire. That that's what I was about to say. I hope it will inspire character growth, but I just don't know with this guy. It's like he he's his hero has now been diminished. He now has a more sullied and I'll say human, but God help us, view on his own dad. What that will mean going forward could be very important, or could be very frustrating for us as a reader. But the opportunity is now there. I think but, that. My favorite part is Harry's never going to get the parallels between him and his dad. He's the one who straight up said that his dad looked like himself with deliberate mistakes. He's drawing the parallels. <laughs> at will the beginning of the memory. Will it anyway, go farther? We will see. Uh, uh, winners and losers. Winners and losers. House points. Um, well, house points don't mean anything anymore, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Who wins? Who loses? It's all winners. <laughs> so Live and dead. are there any losers other than Snape? I mean, I think. I mean, is, is Umbridge even really up there as a loser no i don't think i don't think so i mean i think she has a bad day but i think it's completely balanced out by the fact that she is technically headmistress now um yeah. so i don't even think she's in the conversation i do think harry has a pretty bad day i think that's fair um by the end of the yeah. to be fair i think we will get the fallout from it in the next chapter not not at the end yeah. of this chapter I, what, it's like what's bad about his day he doesn't have to take alchemancy anymore <laughs> And he's been running a lot on his dad being his parents being yeah. heroes, his parents being, you know, martyrs of society. What everyone holds up as being an example of what we should aspire to. And now he's seen the warts at all. And uh, he has seen it. Will he Is he unhappy I think about we it? get that from we, the we last have, line. He, he we know he's unhappy about it. He does. Um, uh, it, it's a matter of degree, though. Snape has the worst yes. day. Yes. When, when we when saw the Snape's worst day, imagine. Yeah, he's he he has it and had it. When the chapter is titled Snape's Worst Memory, I think it's really hard to get beyond um, him as the loser of the chapter. I I wonder. I it, it's going to say something really interesting about Snape if he still helps Harry and. Uh I'm that he's been helping Harry. He what? I'm inclined to think he will. I think but... he will. I, I think in, he and Remus have more in common than anybody else in these books. And I think that his... I have a little bit of a spoiler on this, but like it, it's, it says something fascinating about Harry's character and Snape's character that Snape has been helping him for five books and Harry still has so little regard for him and not talk to him. Yeah. And now... Harry has seen that that how mirrored he and his father are, and isn't going to do anything about it, about it other than tell probably tell other people about Snape's worst memory and be like, well, I guess he can't let go of the past, and that's why he's been treating me terribly. And it's just like he saved your life at least once at, that that you know about, and has been trying to like keep the Dark Lord out of your thoughts, and all you can complain about is he's not. He's a dick. Yeah. It, I, I don't know. It, this feels like it's within the very human compulsion to hate assholes more than villains when it comes to like story presentation of where 
uh, yeah, this guy murdered seven people, but he's wonderfully charming and pleasant. Whereas this guy, he's just unpleasant, mildly unpleasant to me. So, you know, screw him. Unpleasant to the main character that has main character syndrome and is in a, is a dick in every single one of his classes, not even whispering to his friends in the back. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, we'll see what degree Harry grows. Hey, maybe his father, we're going to get to see some aspect of character growth occurring at exactly the same point in time. Parallels. Yes. I am unwilling to say that Harry had a bad chapter because of oh he saw that his father was a dick to somebody he hates. I I am so excited this, to this get to the beginning of, of the next chapter. <laughs> this, but yeah, I love you're coming at this with yeah he he had a bad chapter and he should have more. Like, <laughs> he need he needs to have more of this. He needs this to have been a bad chapter. I, I agree. And I, I don't know, and I don't think it was. And maybe we'll get that in the next chapter. I hope we do, but I don't think he had a. I don't think he had a particularly bad chapter, and he should have had a bad chapter with what he said. I want worse things for BJ. You're being Lily on this. You're effectively saying I want you to recognize what a shit you are and get better. Uh, who who is it? Malfoy that wins. Malfoy wins. Uh, yeah, I do think it's Malfoy that wins. I I think uh, again. I I said this very early on in the chapter, I think we need to acknowledge that Fred and George had one of the best chapters that they are ever going to have. And uh, it, a lot of it wasn't on screen though. So it's fair that Malfoy is the winner. But... I, yeah, I have thoughts on why they are not the winners of this chapter. And that is spoilery territory for the next chapter. Um, okay. But basically saying I aim to misbehave and being so successful, it brings the entire school to a halt. Okay, Mal. Uh, I'm going to say that they have not reached song. their peak yet. Yeah. I, mean, I almost am disinclined to pick them, though, because it's with a certain degree of being resigned. It's a certain degree of these have been the values we've always held to. These are the standards we always would do. And now the world is so unfair, we just don't care anymore. It, I almost don't call that a win. I almost call that a... A certain aspect of sad. They're they're going all out just because they don't really care. I, I the game has changed. They're yes. no longer playing at the, they're they playing a different off game. Rules. They worked off yeah. rules that now no longer apply. Um so I think it's I think it's sad for everybody involved because I think they're the first people to really understand what's going on with Umbridge Beacon. They're almost like bellwethers which, mm-hmm. in in a way. Yep. Um the rules lawyers so often are. I I feel like I have not for a, a long time. So yeah, Malfoy wins this chapter because he's <laughs> terrible and terrible things are happening. Um, mm. I feel like I have not in a this long time had so much of a chapter where I'm like, I really wish we were reading the next chapter right now. Just wait for the next chapter. I realize that that is not like interesting to you all. It is not interesting radio, but I will continue to beat on the drum of wait until next chapter on the assessment of this chapter. Um, It it, it sets up that the back half of this chapter maybe should have been part of the next chapter in terms of what the events apparently lead into before. Yeah. Or stood on its own as a chapter. Uh, Uh, Whomst among us can say. Uh, Yeah. What questions do we have? I mean, I feel like one of the most important ones to start with is to what degree are we seeing an accurate picture? Or is this exactly a 100% accurate memory rather than a perfect recalling? Does the Pensieve offer you a perfect camera lens into what occurred? Or does it offer an exact transcript of what the memory wrote down? Uh, I would say that that's a... I don't think we have a specific answer to that. My read on it has always been... 
memories are always personal. They are always from a, an individual's point of view. They will always be colored by the, they, they are what happened, but they will also always be colored by the thoughts, feelings, wants, needs, expectations of the individual who is having those memories. Um, and this is a I think that there's account. a, yeah, yeah, I think it's more than that because of all of the other things that we get, because, because Harry can listen Wrong. to other conversations that, that Snape probably really wouldn't have been a part of, uh, but they're in like the, uh, bird's eye view of the memory. Yeah. I mean, I agree that there's a little bit of like squidginess around the edges of what's captured in the memory, but I think that it's really like, yeah. I think that it's. I think that we we get some of this with Dumbledore's memories because as he goes back and analyzes the memories, he was able to point out like, I thought this at this moment, but now I know X Y. Like I I I think that they are encapsulations of an individual's perceptions and understandings of a situation at a moment in time. I think I, it feels like it's a more of a recording like of that person's perspective with a little bit more, but without the uh, like changing of the memory. It, it, it's more like if while the memory was yeah. fresh, if you sort of like walk through each piece of it without the coloration of every time yes, you go back, it gets worse or better true. depending yeah. on like. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not the re-recording over the VHS effect that memory mm-hmm, otherwise right. is. Um, I, I've got a couple other questions, BJ, unless you've got one you want to start with. Uh, are snitches alive and or sentient? Well, snitches are and, <laughs> uh, Especially when James uh, sure. tortures them. Uh, no, they're just magic objects. Um, so I, I guess, like, I, I, I don't know what, you know, now's probably not the right time. Uh, and we've had a little bit of this in the past, but our magic, like, what, what is the... What is our thought process on magic objects? And maybe we should hold off on this. We'll probably get another uh, another couple of options. But it felt very particular that he was tormenting a snitch. And um, yeah. I just kind of like wanted to explore that a little bit. But we've been recording for a really long time. And I feel like uh, now is not, not the time for my, my exploration of uh, sentience and magic. Yeah, I mean, I don't like I think that they... I mean, we can talk about this more later, but I think that, like, I think these types of magic objects are not any more sentient than, like, a Roomba is. Um, They are magic to do a certain thing. And, yes, that gives them movement and direction, um, but it doesn't give them sentience, right? And so, like, when people are smashing bludgers, bludgers have been magic to move around the pitch and try to knock people off their off their brooms like yes they have direction and sort of intention but that's only the intention that the magic has given them um sure i guess i I, this felt a little uh english hunting uh mm -hmm. fox hunting uh to me Mm -hmm. where it's just like where where are we going with this uh and i think it's like the scene is meant to look like to look like that but i think the you know the under underlying reality of it is that this isn't a bird um it's a or a plane (laughs) it's a snitch um and so like yes we are getting james's boredom um his maybe potential cruelty yeah but 
it's important to keep, I think it's important to understand that like the thing that he is actually sort of playing with does not, is not alive. Yeah. I kind of read it as an example, more of a demonstration of James's vanity that I'm guessing he's the seeker on the team and it's him both practicing for that role, but also doing so very, very public to just like, you know, advertise. I'm awesome. I'm awesome. Everything we everything everything we know about James is that that's true. Yeah, (laughs) even his biggest fans Um, will tell you that that's true. mm -hmm. Yeah, was was Umbridge trying to slip Harry a truth serum in the tea? Like that that seemed the straight up implication that Harry just got real damn lucky in terms of dodging that. Or well, and the only time that she's like, I guess I'll believe you, uh, rather than you know, yeah, when she thinks that that he must be telling the truth and so yeah. Mm-hmm. Mad Eye's constant vigilance saving the day. I know. And we will see more of the truth the, serums coming up later. It, that seemed like a strong implication of that scene of where, you know, drink up, drink, drink up, dear, before you answer my question. Please she is up. Which thing would you like to drink? Smiling drink. way too much, too. It's like, you've, you've never been no. this friendly at a tea no. party before. Um, other questions? I think that's enough for me. Many uh, plot questions. <laughs> You, you uh, kind of implied we got to read the next yeah. chapter. Yeah, that's me trying to cut Spencer, questions think... off at the head. <laughs> that that Lily was serious about dating the uh, serp, the many tentacled uh, squid. Fisherman's wife, sir. Uh, I'm going to go with no. I'm going to go with no. That is, as far as we can tell, not a cultural item in the wizarding world the way it may be a bit in other countries. In not only modern culture, but also history. And don't look at that fan fiction either. That, that's not even fan fiction. That's actual classic Japanese. Oh, art. yeah. No, I just mean like... Because... <laughs> like, oh, actually... Sure. Yeah. Don't do that Harry yes, Potter yeah, fan yeah. fiction. All uh, right. Well, Your we favorite part chapter? of the episode, Spencer. Although we've gotten spoilers there, on the there. image at this point. So our next uh, chapter... I pointedly did there, look. Thank you, Spencer. Next chapter, chapter 29, Career Advice, which is uh, the most pedestrian title we've had for a chapter possibly ever. It is. I have... A couple of questions that and interesting things. Do you think the shape of the picture is important? Because it feels like it is. And also, is the devil's tail intentional? Mm, interesting, yeah. Because it feels intentional. Yeah, the shape of the picture almost looks like... So we've got uh, the Hogwarts castle with two figures flying in front of a full moon on their broomsticks. One of which with the chains around the broomstick that don't make any sense. Uh, the shape of the image almost looks like a silhouette um of a head like mm-hmm. one of the yeah. um, like a head yeah a little bit more like a a great ape than than a well, human for a, but, a noseless uh, a noseless face perhaps in in profile i think we're, I think we're reading too much of the <laughs> artwork style there uh perhaps but the end of the chain to me very much looks like the like uh i don't know triangle shape on like yeah. a devil a classic yeah. devil's tail I'm, I'm glad you both reminded me about the whole broom chained up in Umbridge's office thing, because otherwise my default reaction to this would have been straight up some mix of Mad Max or Ben-Hur. <laughs> or, oh my god, they're attaching like chains and whips to the brooms now? <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll watch, but Jesus. <laughs> oh boy, well, that's that's as good a place to end it as any, I think. <laughs> thought so. Alright, y'all. This is a very interesting if long chapter you unpack, yeah. and if Sarah's... Hinted at us, we've got more to go.